are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rayner Roberts. Our current serial is Musketeer Space. I released my new book, uh, Spellcracker's Honeymoon, last week. Those of you who've listened to Tea and Sympathetic Magic and The Frost Fair Affair here on the podcast, uh, this is the third book in the series. I am not. I have no immediate plans to put it here on the podcast, um, largely because it's all Musketeer all the time. I'm going to be taking a break halfway through the Musketeer book to bring something a bit different to the podcast before we come back to Musketeers, uh, but that will probably be a new story. So at this point, uh, seeing Spellcracker on the podcast is almost 100% likely to be a 2022 project. And actually, that's a lot closer than you think. All right, so today I am going to read you Chapter 11. The Freond of Aramis, the Espresso of Athos, and the Convenient Boyfriend of Porthos. I've never broken into a spaceship before, said Planchet excitedly. At least, not a spaceship that belonged to someone who might turn up at any moment and shoot us. Ye of little faith, said Porthos over the comm. I'll have you know that Edwin and I, Edmund, corrected the helpful and convenient boyfriend of Porthos, who worked for station security and was letting her take a few liberties with the cam feeds. Ed and I are on the job, said Porthos smoothly, and I can tell you right now that the glamorous villain in the watermelon-coloured flight suit is currently drinking mocha shots on the Stella Concourse. Her Engie, meanwhile, is taking in some adult entertainment at the Ishtar Club. Oh, and the security cans on EDOC are all mysteriously glitching. I will continue to do so for the next hour or so. No idea why, said the deadpan voice of Ed. Planchet consulted her clamshell tablet, checking the manual specs one more time. Keep watch, Cap, she said cheerfully. I'm going in. I'm not a captain, Dana sighed. Technically, her rank was Mecha Cadet, but when she was at work, she was generally referred to as Squaddy, because Essart was the sort of jolly commander who liked everything to be informal and friendly. It was horrible. I keep forgetting, said Planchet. Don't worry, Cap, you'll get there in the end. She'd moved capably into the role of Engie, despite Dana not having a dart to offer her, musket class or otherwise. As Dana watched, Planchet stuck a small steel stud on the side of the moth. When she activated it from her clamshell, a bright neon web swept across the entire ship and pulsed three times before disappearing. Interesting, mused Planchet, peering at the info dump as it peeled across her screen. Can we hurry it up? Dana said anxiously. The cams might be off, but anyone could walk on through. There's one warm body on this ship. Dana blinked. Is it Conrad Sue? Can you tell? Or another Engie? She had no intention of underestimating the resources that Rosne Cho had at her disposal, especially if she was working directly for the Church of All. The hair colour's right, said Planchet, chewing her own lip. Sounds promising. How do we get in? What's the weak spot? The back hatch, said Planchet. No, wait. She ran around to the back of the moth, and Dana followed her. 
Look at that! The beautiful curve of the ship's rear end had a gleaming, perfect surface. As Dana watched, though, it bubbled and bent outwards. I suppose that's a weak spot, she said. Is there something wrong with the ship? That's not the ship, said Planchet, sounding gleeful. That's the prisoner. I think he's set off a melt mine. She leaned forward in fascination. I've never seen one used except in simulations. That's extreme. Dana pulled Planchet back beneath the landing gear. As they watched, a hole tore itself in the back of the moth fighter, leaving ugly edges of twisted metal. On the one hand, it was a crime to cause such damage to a thing of beauty like this. On the other, the ship belonged to Roe, and that made it hilarious. A head of bright blue hair stuck out from the twisted hole, and then a stocky athlete of a man, barely Dana's age if he was a day, catapulted out of the informal exit and rolled neatly on the ground. Hey, Dana called softly. She considered saying, Hey, I'm Dana, and I'm here to rescue you today. But she managed to restrain herself. Conrad Sue was not in the mood to be rescued. Keep back, he warned, and leapt up onto the wing of the moth. I'm done with you bastards. If the cardinal wants to lock me up without trial, she can bloody well do it herself. Your wife sent us, Dana yelled up after him. We have to get you to safety. Thanks. He laughed, but I trust my wife as bad as much as I trust the cardinal. I'm going home. He leapt from the moth onto a nearby drone carrier, then a venturer, and so on, across the row of ships. Go after him, Dana said to Planchet, pushing her forward. He should recognise you. I think he's too busy rescuing himself, said Planchet, sounding impressed. Well, that won't last long if he heads home. Porthos had reported back that the Sioux apartment was still packed with red hammers, ready to arrest anyone who rang the buzzer. Planchet scampered after the escaped prisoner. Monsieur Sioux, stop! Aramis had picked the short straw. Rosnay Cho's engineer Foy had some dubious tastes in entertainment, and the tacky shenanigans of the Ishtar Club were about as sexy as hollow cartoons. Finally, Foy replied to a message through his comm and stood up to leave. Aramis did the same, leaving a large tip by her drink as she followed him out. We're on the move, she said quietly into her own comm. Heading this way or back to the ship? Athos asked in her ear. He's strolling back along the promenade, said Porthos in her other ear, towards you and Cho. Order me an espresso and a friant, said Aramis. She liked the warm freons that they printed down on Stella. You're paying, Athos told her, and she heard the chime that told her someone was accessing her credit. I should never have given you the code, Aramis groaned. She kept half an eye on Foy as she strolled back along the promenade that overlooked the Stella Concourse. There was Athos, sitting at one of the cafes on the lower level, his musketeer jacket a bright blue beacon. From where he sat, he had line of sight on his own mark, the infamous Rosne Cho. Aramis had heard a lot about the Cardinal's special agent over the years, but had never actually set eyes on the woman. 
Athos had failed to mention how spectacular Cho was to look at, from her confident body language to the long scar across her face, accentuating her raw beauty. Trouble in a flight suit that fit well in all the right places. I'm starting to see why young D'Artagnan has taken such a close interest in this woman, Aramis murmured into her calm. Behave, chided Athos. She watched him reach out and take something from the food printer embedded in the table. Get over here, or I will eat your cake. She ran down the stairs lightly and kissed him on both cheeks as she joined him at the table, as if they hadn't seen each other in years. Next time, you can take the part of the mission that means sitting in a strip club. She bit into the freon, still warm from the printer. Fun afternoon, was it? I've never been so disinterested in naked boobs in my life before. All the pink lights and cheesy peephole costumes and glitter. Everywhere. Aramis shuddered. I wanted to wrap the women up in cardigans and take them all home with me. Athos raised his eyebrows. Not like that. I wanted to feed them soup and rub their feet. Those shoes look so uncomfortable. As would be the glitter. Don't remind me. Aramis concentrated on her cake and coffee for a moment, letting Athos observe Cho and the Engie. Aramis, he said, after a moment. Mm, she said, with her mouth full. Do you remember the parties after the big game? About six months ago? The fleur-de-lis final during Joyeux? Aramis finished chewing and blew on her coffee. I remember getting wasted because Chevreuse and I had broken up. There were some really good drugs and excellent music. And possibly it snowed indoors, unless that was a side effect of the drugs. And oh yes, you got up to something suspicious with my ex that got her exiled, so thanks for that. I had very little to do with it, he said. Aramis missed Chevreuse. She'd been a good friend as well as a lover, and a fun time all around. Conveniently, the distance they had between them now made it possible to forget all the blazing rows they'd shared, in between the fun nights out and long nights in. That's the night I'm thinking of, yes, Athos went on. Apparently they were still talking about this. Huh. Aramis set down her coffee and peered at him. Is that what all this is about? The same old scandal that never was? Did that mean they were going to have to have that other conversation about Chevreuse, the one Athos only ever started when too drunk to remember it the next day? Perhaps. Athos glanced briefly over at Rosne Cho. Porthos, how is D'Artagnan getting on? A snag or two, said Porthos in their comms. But she found the fellow she was looking for. A successful mission, then. Athos ordered another espresso. I loathe surveillance. I know, said Aramis, patting his hand. You think such deep thoughts when you're left on your own. It upsets your stomach. Why do you think I surround myself with people who never shut up? This sounds promising, Porthos broke in patching Rosne shows clamshell into their comms. The wife should be comfortable in the armory, 
said Cho, as clearly as if she were sharing the table with them. Our guest might change his mind about talking once he knows that the church has her in custody. She drummed her fingers on the table. What's the word from my lord? asked Foy. Aramis glanced at Athos with curiosity in her eyes. Me lord, she mouthed. Athos shrugged in response. It meant nothing to him. Bastard likes to tease, said Cho. But he'll come through. He always does. She checked her clamshell and frowned. There's one loose end I don't like. The Sioux family have a lodger and no one's seen them all day. Why does the name D'Artagnan sound so familiar? Athos and Aramis went very still. Don't you remember? The NG guffawed. Back on Myung Station. The Buttercup. Cho laughed too. Don't suppose it's the same kid. But I'll stroll up to the Sioux residence to see how their mouse trap is going. Anyone who calls on that family over the next few days gets taken in for questioning. If the lodger is our little buttercup, I'll enjoy the look on her face when she gets arrested. She got to her feet. Go check that the moth is charged up. File a flight plan for twenty hundred hours. I need to be down on Luna Palais before midnight to report to her eminence. D'Artagnan, Aramis said softly into the comm. Engie coming your way. Get out of there. Already out, came the muffled voice of Dana. How long? Ten minutes or so? Maybe fifteen if there's traffic on the sphere lifts. I can make extra traffic, Porthos volunteered. Can't we, Ed? You're enjoying the power a little too much, darling, observed Ed, but he didn't object. Do you want to take the bloke with the locks or the lady in the angry trousers? asked Aramis. Rosne Cho was already walking away in the opposite direction to her engie. You take the engineer, said Athos. I fancy this mousetrap of theirs. If Cho and her red hammer friends are looking for a d'Artagnan, maybe they should find one. Aramis didn't like the sound of that. She gave him a hard look. Planning on convincing a bunch of hammers that you're a short black Gascon with girl parts. A physical description will make things harder, if they have one, Athos admitted. But I can be very convincing. As long as there aren't any sabres there who recognise you. I don't know if you've noticed, but someone cut my hair recently. I could be anyone. He had a mischievous light in his eyes. Athos smiling while sober was rare. But Athos allowing himself to enjoy something other than wine and sword play was a thing to behold. You should probably take off your musketeer jacket. Aramis suggested, if you're serious about pretending to be someone else. That sounds like cheating. We have more fun since she joined us, don't you think? Athos gulped down the last mouthful of his espresso. It's better than being stabbed in the chest, he conceded. But the day is young. When she first set out to rescue Conrad Sue. Dana had not envisaged ending up with him flat on the floor beneath her, caught in a secure headlock. Planchet, how do you know this hellcat? asked Conrad, arching his back up as if trying to throw her off. 
Dana was small, but sturdy and strong. She held firm, squeezing him a little tighter around the throat. Do you want me to explain it again? No, Conrad snarled. I want Planchet to explain. Planchet loomed into view over them both, grinning all over her freckled face. Dana's a pilot, she said brightly. I'm going to be her Angie when she's a musketeer. Dana should correct that when to if, she knew, but she couldn't bear to dampen the kid's enthusiasm. That's not relevant, she said instead. She's Madame Sue's new lodger, Planchet added. We came to rescue you. Was that a melt mine on the side of the ship? That was amazing. A piece of tech I picked up from a friend, said Conrad, lying still now. Dana then. D'Artagnan. Dana corrected. I think as long as you're sitting on my back, I can call you by your first name. Swear by your honour and your ship that you're not working for the Cardinal. I don't have a ship, Dana sighed, but I'll swear on my honour and all future ships. Your loyalty is to the Prince Consort. To the Crown, Dana said. She sat up, allowing Conrad to do the same. He didn't look quite so preternaturally pretty in person as he had on the hollow screen, but that could be because he'd been captive in a ship for a couple of days. My loyalty is to the crown. Conrad rubbed his neck and winced. It'll do. I can't go home. Dana shook her head. They're waiting at your place to detain all visitors. Porthos had patched the table conversation to her comm as well, which may have made her explanation to Conrad more confused than she intended, since she was listening to them at the same time, including me as your wife's lodger. They don't know about me, though, Planchet said cheerfully. Madame Sue pays me in bed and board, and she's always kept me off the books. Conrad gave the young engineer a friendly shove. Don't say that like it's a good thing. My darling wife's not taking gross advantage of you for your own protection. He looked seriously at Dana. Here's the thing. Prince Alec is my employer and my teammate. I'm the closest friend he has left on Luna Palais. That means I've been picked up for questioning and subjected to security checks more times than I've made silk coats. And trust me, I've made a lot of silk coats. There's a standard routine to it. They let me go about my business after an hour or two. But this time was different. Dana nodded. Is this the first time Rosnay Cho was involved? The first time she's got her hands dirty, Conrad muttered. Though I'm starting to think she was behind other incidents in the past. I thought she'd let me go once I convinced her. There was nothing compromising I could tell them about His Highness. Luckily, Cho favours psych drugs and brain cables for interrogation. You surprise me, Dana said dryly. I happen to be one of the 5% of the population who can't be influenced that way, Conrad went on. My brain won't take adjusting, mechanical or chemical. One of the reasons people in power share so many bloody secrets with me. I would have waited for Cho or her employers to lose interest, but I ran out of time. He paused, looking at Dana, as if he was still wondering how much to share with her. I have a vital appointment later today down on the moon. 
That's why I risked the melt mine, to get out. I have to reach the Prince Consort in the next couple of hours or he is going to get himself into so much trouble. Seriously. Cities burning, solar system crumbling, shit is going to go down. Of course she was going to help. She'd come this far. You can't go by civilian shuttle, Dana said immediately. Too many church zones to cross between here and there. They'd pick you up as soon as you moved through their surveillance coverage. I can take him in my dart, Aramis said in her ear. Dana shook her head. You and the others have done enough, and your ships are too recognisable. No point in advertising the involvement of the musketeers, not unless we have to. Athos won't be needing his ship for a while, pointed out Porthos in her other ear. Since he's about to... Shh! Don't distract her, Aramis cut in. You have a plan, don't you, Dana? Dana found herself grinning. Conrad has an appointment down there, and I'm a pilot. All we need is a ship. Ideally one that we already know we can have. Conrad gave her an odd look. You want to steal Rosnacho's moth? Dana felt as if her insides were full of lightning. You have no idea how much I want to steal Rosnacho's moth. But I blew a hole out the back of it, Conrad reminded her. I can fix it, Planchet said excitedly. I can. She patted a small satchel on her belt. I've got my box of tricks, including ceiling glass and rotor connectors. The self-repair system on board should do the rest once I log Dana into the system. The sphere lift behind them beeped suddenly and irised open to reveal Aramis with an unconscious man at her feet. So what you're saying is, she said calmly, it's a good thing I just gave Cho's Engie a dose of pentasleep and stole his ID stud. She opened her hand, revealing the small metal stud that she had removed from Foy's wrist. Conrad raised a hand. Can we stuff him in the sonic shower compartment and feed him protein bars through a slot? No particular reason. How much longer do you need to keep EDOC in a security blackout? Porthos broke in over the shared comm channel. Because Ed is going off shift in about 20 minutes and I owe him two steak dinners and some amazing sex. Three steak dinners, corrected Ed. And dessert. Baby, I have all sorts of ideas about dessert. Twenty minutes, we'll be fine, said Planchet, blushing hard. It only takes ten to backdate a flight plan into the system. Interesting, said Aramis, gesturing for Conrad to help her pick up the unconscious Engie. Dana, your talent for human resources is spot on. My own Engie is far too moral to endorse a caper like this. Dana gave Planchet an encouraging smile. I think we're going to work well together, she agreed.